Let's begin. entered into the main text part of Galatians from chapter 2 verse 15 and these nine characteristics of Galatians are, are going in one flow, one stream within you. So, so we talked about gospel, revelation, righteousness, grace, faith, just like that it's going into an order. In chapter 2 Paul was comparing the law and grace so the law law means 613 um, rules that they had to obey to for the Jews but to Gentiles it's all about self um, selfishness the self strength so that's what Paul has been talking about until chapter 3 verse 1 So to Christians, it is the most important thing to live by grace. Those ones who are not living by grace, they must live by their own strength, the law. So when you are trying to live by your own strength, that means you are trying to destroy your own life. Why? Because when God first created the human beings, He made us to live only by the grace. It means that it means that you cannot live without living by grace. So just like this this um, caterpillar bug, even though how even though how much of a meat you bring to that that bug, he cannot eat out of that. So so human beings, if they try to live by by their own strength, uh, they will their life will just go to ruin. But they will not not be able to see that until the end of their life. All creation have their purpose and the meaning for their creation, but especially the human beings, God created mankind in order for them to live just by grace. So we should struggle not to set aside the grace. We should live only by His gift, the grace. And one other more, one other important reason is that is that he want us to be like him be like God he's giving he's keep giving us the gift and the Bible is keep saying imitate him imitate Jesus it's keep repeating this message and that's what the purpose of God sending you to the church after he saved you if you want to be a, just a good person then just go to a um, ethics school or something like that but God's purpose is not to make a good man, but to make make the one like God. And, and this is the core of all the prophecies in the Old Testament. Just like Zechariah 12, 8. On that day, on that day, the weak will be like David, and those who are like David will be like God. The core message of Old Testament is for us to become like God. And the purpose of Him coming down on earth as a man is not to just send us to heaven. Well, actually, it's heaven that is coming to us. There's not a single sentence in the Bible that says we go to heaven. 
this has been um, this was something that has been um, fooled by Vatican, the, the Catholics. This is all chip of the great prostitute. And all of these, because these chips are still installed to you, that's why your life is so powerless. Just like Isaiah 21, all the churches are being powerless in these days. So, so they cannot see the miracles. They don't know who the Almighty God is. So the real miracle is that you don't experience any miracle in the church. But living by God is never like that. If you live by God, if you live with God, you will, you must experience His might and His ability. This is the church. So Paul is keep emphasizing to live by grace. So Paul is keep comparing between the law and the grace. So from chapter 3, verse 6, uh, Paul is showing the example of the grace or, or the righteousness, the example of the righteousness. In a big picture, in a big picture, God's covenant was given through Moses, right? So, So under this covenantal relationship between Moses and God, Israelites were able to become God's people through that covenant. But, but even 430 years before Moses, through Abraham, through Abraham, God already, God already built built this father and child relationship between between him through his promise and his righteousness. So promise appears here, and when we say promise. Um, Paul is using the term promise in order to compare that to the covenant. So Paul is um, Paul is describing God's word as a promise to you. To you, God's word is um, like a promise. It means God decided to do do like that. So that's why we hold on to God's word to pray. That's why we we uh, receive that word by faith. Then through our faith, God God um, works in order to fulfill that promise in our life. That's the life of God's children. And in that flow, chapter three, verse six begins. And that's one main flow in chapter 3 too. So let's look. Uh, chapter 3 verse 6. So also Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. So Paul is um, quoting directly from um, Genesis 3.15 from Septuagint. Genesis 15.6 So what happened to him? He did not have any son. He did not have any child. And God called, summoned Abraham before him and he said, hey, look at the stars. Your, uh, look at the sands on the shore. Your, your, your heirs will be like this. God promised him like this. 
and Abraham accepted that all promises of God and promises that Abraham accepted, um, Genesis is describing those promises as God. So he, he's saying, uh, the author of Genesis said that Abraham did not believe in the promise itself, but he believed in God who gave him that promise. So one of the reasons why your faith is weak is that you only look look um, in God's hand according to uh, Psalms vocabulary, uh, Psalms terminology. Instead of believing in God himself, but you are believing in his, his promise itself. So when you believe who God is, then you will be able to receive all the promises of God that is being made in his scale. So let's say if I made a promise to Abraham like this, your sons will be like, like the sand of the beach, sand on the beach. And because I'm a good man, Abraham will be like, oh yeah, because you are a good man, I believe you. Imagine if I have promised him like that. But, but because it was God who made a promise to him, it, it was possible. So every single moment, we, we should not look to what God is giving to us, but instead we should look to God himself. In, in Daniel's, in book of Daniel's, he was captured by Nebuchadnezzar. And he was forced to bow down before the idol that the Nebuchadnezzar was serving. But these three friends of Daniel, they said, we will never bow down before the idol. The Almighty God will save us from your hand. And the next word that they say that even if he doesn't do so, even if we die in the furnace, burning furnace, we will never bow down before the idol. Why? Why? For what were they believing? Because they were believing in him, God himself, not the promise that he promises them. So whatever result that they received from him, they were able to receive that result as a good goodness. So our importance is to believe in him, in, in God himself, not believing in what he is giving us. So when he does not give us the money, we, we, we should not despair. And when we despair, if it means that we fail to believe in his existential uh, being. So when he speaks, we, we receive who he is. So that's why God is considering this as Abraham's righteousness. Abraham uh, believed in God and God considered that as his righteousness. So this is one of the core things in your spirituality. Many people are bound to the things that God gives. Of course God gives, but, but it is only given according to his time and his skill. So the more you accept his being after a certain period of time, your scale will meet his scale. And, and if you continue to believing in him, you will understand his heart. You will know his thoughts. Then, then you will, you will, um, it, it will be rare for you 
to pray like, Lord, give me this, give me that. For 34 years of my spirituality, I have never prayed for the power to the Lord. I am, I am not praying for that even now. I always ask for God's kingdom. Lord, pour me your kingdom. You are my everything. When I have you, then I'm, I'm good, good for all. When I have you alone, Lord, I don't need anything else. Right? When you go on a travel, when you go on a tour, you don't have to carry your refrigerator, your, your bed. Only thing that you need is to carry your credit card with you. But why in your spirituality do you try to, are you trying to um, carry all those things? You have this almighty God who can do anything with you, right? You need to be wise. Only thing that you need is God himself, right? Why are you carrying these these things? So if you keep living with him, you will feel that possessing something is very distracting thing. Possessing is very distracting. And when you become like that, it means that it means that you your intimacy between God has grown. So so when your intimacy grows, you would you will lose a purpose. You will lose your own purpose and and you will lose all the reason why you are serving God and, it, and you will just be like oh I just like God I just love God and the hope will rise in you and I'm talking and we are talking about Abraham right and after after meeting God he enters into Sabbath after 68 years years later but why why did it why did it take so, such a long time because he had many um, hope of himself of course he received God himself by faith and he was considered as a righteous man he had to go through a certain process of faith that he had to get rid of all his own hopes in his life it took him for a long time so so when you lay down your own hope you will enter into the Sabbath easily and quickly amen so so in verse 6 Abraham believed God and it was credited him to credit to him as righteousness verse 7 understand then that those who have faith are children of Abraham so look it's not by the genealogy or the blood or the family God's kingdom is not the kingdom that is being moved by the family. So Israelites, uh, accurately speaking, they are not about the blood or the family. So when you talk about Israelites, we cannot say they are tribe of someone. No, it's difficult to say because they are all mixed. Um, ethnically, they are black, whites, Caucasians, Asians. So actually, Israelites are about this uh, community, the community that shares the same same faith. So it's not about the family line or genealogy. Rather, all the family line of God's kingdom has one family, uh, one blood, which is faith. <laughs> I was wondering why my Galatians is keep disappearing from me, but but it's because of the fan. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> 
So here, the children here in verse 7, it appears in Genesis. It appears in Genesis 17, there appears the word seed. Seed is same, it's same, it's their children. But seed is written in a singular singular form. Abraham had many children, but only only through one son Isaac, this genealogy of faith continued. But but actually speaking, more accurately speaking, this one seed is referring directly to Jesus Christ. So when we talk about children of Abraham, we are talking about the family line of Isaac and family line of Jesus. It's not talking about all the other children of Abraham. So this must be clear to you. As children of God, as children of God, we have inherited this family line of faith through Abraham and Jesus. And these children are not just simple children, but they are the heirs. They are the heirs to inherit the kingdom. How tremendous is this? And this event that God chose to make us his heirs is not just a simple event that happened 2,000 years ago. But even in the days of Abraham, 4,000 years ago, God already decided to make his family line of his heirs through Abraham. So God already planned out his strategy of victory even 4,000 years before us. So the so God already planned his perfect victory, this identity of the perfect heirs in, for his kingdom. He decided that 4,000 years ago. So for these 4,000 years, for these 4,000 years, without doubting, God was keep allowing this family line to continue to flow through the faith. So, so think about it. Is it, is it easy to trust a person for 4,000 years? It's not an easy thing. But, but God already had his, his confirmation toward his heirs that, that will come 4,000 years later. So all the other promises will appear later. But this promise that he gave to his heir was kept, kept for 4,000 years. God continued this flow to flow for 4,000 years. So how tremendous is this? For example, for example, you went to Egypt, you went to Egypt, and you saw a pyramid, and you saw a pyramid that was built in BC 2800. Maybe it, was a, it is a tomb of a, a certain king of Egypt, or a certain pharaoh. And when you enter into the, in, in the pyramid, you saw the, the, the coffin, the coffin, it, on the coffin, it is written that um, on a certain day from South Korea, Pastor Kim Mino will come and see this. Imagine if you have seen that or seen your name written on it. You, you will have a heart attack, right? 
this is like that. 4,000 years ago, even 4,000 years ago, God already confirmed his victory and God already confirmed identity as his heirs toward us. So when we look uh, in the later chapters, in the later chapters, Paul, Paul uses the term Bible, which is the written, written script, written script. It means that it has been recorded already. It was recorded. When, when it is recorded, it means it will transcend time and space. So it has continued for 4,000 years. This is not a simple thing. Many years ago, when I had a conference in Africa, in Uganda, and, and uh, the next conference was scheduled in India, so in Bengaluru and Chandigarh, we were supposed to have the conference in those cities. Oh, never mind, not in Chandigarh. But, but anyways, there was a city that we were supposed to have the conference. And as I was praying in Uganda, God told me, God told me to have the conference in the city called Chandigarh near Himalaya mountains. So I, I called the person who's in India and said, hey, reserve a place in Chandigarh. And I went there and that person, one person over there in, in Chandigarh, he said, three years ago, somebody prophesied that there, there will be a, a pastor uh, coming from South Korea and you must obey to whatever he's saying to you. So I was very surprised. Three years ago, God already prophesied through, uh, through a prophet that I will come. And he sent that person. So how thankful would that person who heard the prophecy would be? After seeing the prophecy being fulfilled, right? Wouldn't he be, be touched and moved? Being able to meet the, the, the Korean pastor that he, he heard that he will meet? So look, tonight, when you hear this news that you became the heir, it means that not just for three years, but before 4,000 years, God already chose you to become an heir and to have the complete victory. This is not a simple thing. So for 4,000 years, God has never doubted this complete victory. And God has never doubted you as an heir. So what a tremendous promise. This is how amazing his promise is. So at least. Let's say um, you have this one anxious, ancient, um, you know, thing which is old for 4,000 years. How, pri how pricey would that be? But anyways, um, so here in, uh, let's, let's go to Book of Rome. Book of Rome. Romans chapter 4, Romans chapter 4, from verse 12, 4.12, after receiving healing ministry, you guys are feeling very blur, but please be awake. Uh, 
But anyways, let's continue. Uh, received by faith in this last session, the nuclear reactor must be activated powerfully. Verse 12. And he is then also the father of the circumcised, who not only are circumcised, but who also follow in the footsteps of the faith that our father Abraham had before he was circumcised. So we don't need many descriptions. Here, uh, following the footstep, footstep of Abraham, even before he was circumcised. So God's promise, God's promise was uh, present even before Moses, even before the day, uh, days of Moses. So to Jews, being circumcised is a serious issue, right? Because it is written in the commandment of the law. But even, even before it was written on the law, God already gave the promise to Abraham. Even when Abraham was uncircumcised, in the matter of time, in the matter of time, um, the law did not come before the promise, but the promise of God came before the law. So what, what decided the righteousness of Abraham was not the law; it was the promise and the faith that faith of Abraham that believed in in God, who gave him the promise. So this spiritual order applies that, uh, exactly same to us. So we are the same. We are not confirming our righteousness through the work of the law. But within this flow of faith that began 4,000 years ago, we are confirming our righteousness through that faith. So without changing in that one flow of faith, God is ruling over us. But all of a sudden, we are being able to fulfill our righteousness through uh, action of law? That's a nonsense, right? That's impossible. In 4,000 years of history, in this one flow of faith, God has never fulfilled His righteousness through an action of a work of a law. This is impossible. So that's a nonsense. That's a mutant. Verse 13, um, it was not through the law that Abraham and his offspring received the promise that he would be heir of the world, but through the righteousness that comes by faith, only by faith. So this is written clearly by Paul. Abraham received the promise that he will inherit the kingdom and his, his offspring, offsprings will inherit the land of Canaan. So whether it's Israelites, whether it's Gentiles, what Paul keeps saying in Galatians is that, is that without having the righteousness by faith, God will never do any other work. People are trying to uh, fulfill the righteousness by the action, by the law, but no, it's impossible. You cannot go before His glory. Verse 14, For if those who depend on the law are heirs, faith means nothing and the promise is worthless. So even 
before the covenant, the promise was given. So we are not in covenantal relationship with, with God, but we are in this promise relationship with God. So in that, in that, in that concept, we are not just a simple relationship. We don't have the simple relationship of covenant, but we have this new covenantal relationship with God. So in other words, promise means God's word, but also, but also this promise. But this promise is not under the covenantal flow. The covenant has his um, evidence from, from the law. But promise is not about the contract, but it's, it's very absolute relationship. So God is saying, hey, have this. Then all you have to do is to receive that. And God says he will just give it to us and he will just entrust that to us. But contract is not like that. If one part uh, breaks the promise, then that contract will be, be unvalid, invalid. But his promise is not like that. This is an absolute relationship. Hey, I will give you this, then it, that it is given already. So all we have to do is to just receive that by faith. This is promise relationship between God. This is a characteristic of God's word. So God's word, all we have to do about God's word is to receive that by faith. You don't have to like, uh, you don't have to analyze that, inspect that, or to compare that to others. No, all you have to do is just to receive that by faith. And when you receive that, you will know. But because you are keep living by the world and you are keep working your brain, you are trying to understand that. That's not the method of the Hebraic um, method. All you have to do is to receive the promise. So the covenant is completely different from promise. Covenant is about the contract. But the promise has been given to us completely. He says, you will be like this, just receive, just receive. And through Jesus, I have made you righteous, just receive. You can meet me now. You don't have to, you don't have to calculate. You just have to receive that. And when you receive that, you will understand and know. So the ones who live by promise, all you have to do is just to receive his promise. So how easy is that? How good is that? In Book of Numbers, in Book of Numbers, many Israelites complained to the Lord and they were bitten by these fire snakes. How were they saved? By looking at this bronze snake that was hang on a stick. All they had to do is just to look toward the bronze snake. So all you have to do is just look at the bronze snake. You don't have to calculate, calculate all the scientific formula behind that healing. All you have to do is have faith and look to that bronze snake. Then you will survive. You will live. But why did Israelites die? Because the fire snake beat them? No, because they were unable to believe in his promise. Because they were un unable to believe. So are you dying because you don't have money? No. Why? Because you don't you don't believe. So this is your biggest misunderstanding. Oh, I am I am dying because I don't have money. No. This is all lies of the enemies. We only die because we don't believe in God. So all we have to do is to look to the bronze snake, only to receive his promise given absolutely by by him. 
So we need to be simple. So we talked a lot about the promise. Verse 15. Because the law brings wrath. Right? Uh, this is something that I've been explaining from the morning. So when law is alive, it means the sin is alive. It applies to the old self. So when the law is alive, all the result that you have is judgment. So you are always on the trial. Because Sark is the target of God's wrath. In all universe, in all universe, it is not a matter of can you do it or not. It's not a matter of have and done. It's a matter of be to be, to be and not to be. By what kind of identity are you going to live, live to? Do I, do I feed my children because they do something good? No, because they are my children. It's because of their identity. Even though they commit something bad things, they are still my children and I will still nurture them and raise them because they are my beloved beings. It's the same. We are living by our identity. We are not living by our action and our deeds. So, <coughs> so we are living only by this new self which is rejoiceful before the sight of the Lord but the world is not like that they will judge you according to your action they will say because you committed sin you are a sinner no it's not like that because you are a sinner that you commit sin so if you continue to live by your old self you are keep stumbling upon your action even your faith life will become religion how hard did you do that? How hard did you pray? How much offering did you offer? It's all about the action. But when the religion, uh, when the spirituality, when your faith life stumbles upon the action, then that's, that means that you are in this beginner state. So the moment that you are being freed from your action, it means that you have just begun your spirituality right. So without understanding who you are, understanding your identity, you cannot understand the 66 books of the Bible. In all the moments, all the situations, how can you live? Because you are confirming your identity to the people who will starve to death tomorrow. Lord is saying, hey, do not worry what to wear, what to eat, and what to drink. Just ask for your kingdom, ask for the kingdom of God and the righteousness. How was it possible to say this uh, so boldly, not to worry about what to eat? Because what matters is the identity. So Bible is all about who we are. So the one who is stumbling upon the action is the old self, but the one who is living by the identity is the new self. So verse 15, uh, because law brings death, our law brings wrath, and where there is no law, there is no transgression. So who is the one who does not have any transgression? The new self. The new self has the system not to commit a single sin. The one who has this pure and blameless identity is the new self. So when you live by the new self, you will not, you will be able to not commit a single sin. So when you live 
crucified on yourself, you will not commit a sin anymore. Amen. Verse 16. Therefore, the promise comes by faith, so that it may be by grace and may be guaranteed to all Abraham's offspring. So being on air, it is not being given. Uh, that identity is not being given by the action. Let's say uh, if, if I have my firstborn son, and if I have chosen him as my heir, the, um, did, I, did I choose that decision because he has done something good? No, it's because of his identity. Let's say I bought a, a box of rice for 50,000 won. Do you think I paid enough price for that rice? No. The effort that the farmer has put in order to grow that rice and all the people who went through the manufacturing. So the 50,000 won cannot uh, value the same price. So all the air, the sunshine. So in the church, in the church, if you if you misunderstand and think, oh, because I'm um, I'm giving offering in order to pay uh, pay the salary to my pastor, he should do like that. No, it's a nonsense. When a pastor ministry, if a pastor ministry is a job, uh, the salary of a pastor must be like a billion dollar. But because all the uh, principles of the life is grace, you are not being paid. There's nothing on this earth that you are paying the right price on this earth. So the one who is misunderstanding about that, he must pay the right price before the throne of Jesus Christ. When he says, hey, pay the price for the air that you breathe. When he says, hey, pay the price for all the sunshines that you have received. So Romans chapter 4 is saying saying that in verse 4, 5, and 6 it says it says now to the one who works wages are not credited as a gift so you have to consider everything by grace but but if you begin misunderstanding and thinking thinking oh I have earned the right wage then, then it's a big mistake so uh, I'm, I'm keep describing uh, unraveling the things that has been condensed in book of Galatians through book of Romans so verse 16 um, and may be guaranteed to all Abraham's offspring so let's say being on air is done by our action and our effort it means that the promise that God guaranteed 4,000 years ago could not continue for 4,000 years because somebody probably would have ability to struggle hard and put effort in order to fulfill that promise but there will be many people who, who, who cannot, can, cannot accomplish and meet that promise because it is only by grace that He has given us this promise. So all we have to do is just to believe in that promise. So when we when we believe, God will make amazing works through that faith. God's kingdom is kingdom of grace. So within you, within you, after the moment that you have been saved, 
God's Spirit probably have been destroying all those characteristics of the law. But if you haven't been done so, haven't been doing so, it's because you were not fed out of the truth and you have not lived a life in the presence of the Lord. So that's why you have been living by the law. And the proof of the law is that you cannot pray for a single word. You don't have this awe and these uh, emotional moments of the Lord, with the Lord. So this must be revealing from you. This must be revealed. The evidence is that you are living by the law. So which, which churches are being becoming popular in the world right now? Who live by these, this positive mindset, positive attitude, or optimism, just like um, the Joel Austin. You know, he, his optimism went viral right, around the world. This is the maximization of the law. If a human being put all the effort, then they can do anything. I mean, then, then do so. Try all your effort in order to fulfill the righteousness. So optimism is the, the maximization of the law. God's kingdom is a complete kingdom of grace. It's a complete kingdom of faith. This is something that we've been talking about all week long. So living by faith, living by grace must be characterized in your life. If God does not give you something, you should be able to pause. You should be able to feel difficult. So then, then the fullness of the Holy Spirit, fullness of the faith, fullness of the grace will become easier to you. And when this begins, the normal and ordinary faith life that we are talking about will begin in your life. So not only, not only to those who are the uh, who are of the law, but also to those who have faith of Abraham, his father of us all. So from Abraham, God began His promise, and within His uh, genealogy of faith, God continued His promise. Verse 17, as it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. Uh, so he is referring to the promise that appears in Genesis um, um, 17:5. Genesis 17:5. He is not only he's not only the ancestor of Israelites, but the but but the ancestor of all those who have faith. So if we look at the genes of the of the people around the world, half of the world are uh, they share share the DNA of Abraham, right? And let's continue. So. So he is our father in the, in the sight of God in whom he believed, the God who gives life to the dead and calls into being things that were not. So Abraham grew into the faith that believing in God who gives life to the dead, um, who can create out of nothing. In verse 18, in verse 18, against all hope, Abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations, just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. So Abraham, 
after receiving the righteousness by believing in God, he continued falling down and rising up, falling down and rising up, and that's how he grew in his faith. We are the same. God's faith is keep growing in us. So, so until, until to, to which goal are we going toward to? To having the faith, uh, to believing in, in God who brings death to the life. Um, there's a sister who has this issue on her tongue. I want to minister her, but, but she has to leave tomorrow. And in our ministry, we, we have many testimonies of the people whose kidneys were restored. And we experience many events of God who creates out of nothing, right? We experience, experience the creator, creator God. Creating the eardrums, creating kidneys. He's the creator God. And, and all the ministries are based, based on the word, word of God. Romans is uh, describing how Abraham grew in verse 19. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about a hundred years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead. So here, here the word Abraham knew, it does not mean that he just knew. This is, this is the status that he was in debate. He was still concerning whether he should believe in God's uh, promise or not. God said, God promised that he will give you an offspring. Sarah is 90 years old and I'm 100 years old. And he has received a promise, but he was still struggling. He was still struggling in his mindset. But he finally chose to receive that by faith. And with that word, with that word, um, for a long time, uh, you know, they were, they shared the night together. Even though he struggled, he chose the faith. And, and Isaac was pregnant. Um, no, Isaac was, no, never mind, Sarah was pregnant. So Isaac was born. But anyways, uh, even though if you struggle, you should be able to choose the faith um, ultimately at the end. So verse 20, Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God. So his faith was not shaken. This appears, this is the status of Genesis chapter 22. Abraham was about to offer Isaac as a, as a sacrifice, but he did not hesitate for a second because he did not have any doubt. So he was about to swing the sword down. This is because he was in the Sabbath stage of faith. Well, we can describe a lot about between, in this in-between progress, but, but conclusionally, 
Abraham was able to enter into Sabbath of faith. So let's turn to Genesis chapter 22. So it would be easy for us to understand book of Galatians after seeing this background. Chapter 22 is describing of the Sabbath stage status of Abraham. Genesis chapter 22. We will not go over all chapter. So God acknowledges the name of Abraham. Verse 12. In verse 12, do not lay a hand on the boy. He said, do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, you, your only son. So God blessed Abraham. What kind of blessing did he bless Abraham? In verse 17, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky. So here, the word descendants is written in a singular tense in Hebrew. So these descendants, you may think that this is referring to Isaac, but Isaac could not be as numerous as stars in the skies, right? Even if he had like a thousand wives, it, it would be impossible for him to be prosperous or numerous like stars of skies. So this seed did not refer directly to Isaac. This is obvious. So who is this seed about? It's, it, is, it is referring to Jesus Christ. So from Abraham, the flow of promise came down until it became prosperous in the days of Jesus Christ. So through Jesus Christ, God's promise was confirmed. So book of Hebrews says, how does book of Hebrews describe this? It means that this is God's oath. So through Jesus Christ, God confirmed his victory. So oath is the final um, confirmation of the promise. So for 4,000 years from Abraham, God maintained his genealogy of faith. And this promise, this promise after passing through Jesus Christ, that promise became an oath. So we'll talk about this later. So anyways, when we, when we, when we think of God's promise, it's not a simple thing. 4,000 years ago from Abraham, it began, and through Jesus Christ, it was confirmed. And book of Hebrews, so book of Hebrews described Jesus Christ as an interceder of the new covenant. And Jesus Christ confirmed God's promise with this new covenant. So, so this promise um, not, is not being carried around uh, by us by carrying the Bible itself, but God inscribed this promise within our heart. So as a result of his promise being fulfilled, you guys, you all became a new covenantal being. So within you, this promise is existing. So whenever you are praying, God will listen, God will see that promise, and he will answer to you through that promise. So this promise is power of his divinity. So 
Lord promised that exists that indwells within us is the power of his divinity. So you need to be able to use that power. And that div divine power will change us into his divine characters. So when you believe in him in a right way, you will be able to believe in him in a right way. So practically all 66 books of Bible has its own purpose of, he, of its writing. And according to its own purpose, God will build and, and develop the characters in us. For example, if you eat the word of Habakkuk in a right way, you'll be able to understand all the histories of the people and the world. That's how powerful God's word is. That's how powerful uh, the ability of, of these God's promises. So if you continue to being fed His word, then, then your characteristic will be turned into like God. So if you eat book of Deuteronomy, if you, if you, if you eat book of John, then you will be, be like all the characters that appears in those books. Bless one another. Uh, be a walking Bible. Be a walking Bible. Be a walking Bible. Walking Word of God. That's how amazing your dignity is. He has entrusted His promise to us. God already knew and he already confirmed that this translator will be precious and will be will be dignified like this even 4000 years ago. Our sister is so good at Chinese, right? <laughs> so wherever I carry her around, everyone say, "Oh, why is she so good at speaking Chinese?" <laughs> And everyone does know does not know whether she's Chinese or Korean. But anyways, let's look at those blessings. And in verse 17, uh, your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies. So through Jesus Christ, through Jesus Christ, these descendants will be victorious over all the enemies. But look, for 4,000 years, God has never doubted about this victory. That's why he has written this victory in the Bible. Once again, God, God never doubted that you will become an heir, that you will become prosperous. God never doubted for a single moment that, that you will you will be victorious. That's why in Galatians Paul is said that it has been it is a written scripture. God did not doubt. But why are you doubting this? Why do you doubt? Well actually I doubt I, I doubted it. I doubted so in ministry. Lord forgive me for doubting them. We should not doubt anymore, right? And even God did not doubt for a moment over 4,000 years. How dare can we doubt about it? Let's bless one another once again. You are an heir. You are the heir. Once again, you are the victorious. You are a victorious being. You are a 
victor. Let's return to Galatians. Let's return to Galatians. So by looking at uh, Romans, Romans and Genesis, it will be easier for us to understand Galatians. You know, we need to at least um, finish chapter 3 or not. It's already 11 o'clock. So anyways, let's continue. Verse 8. Verse 8. Um, scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith. So this is a unique term that Paul used, scripture. So it means that all the promises that has been given to Abraham should be written, should be recorded. So when God promised to Abraham all the blessings that he gave to him, um, Paul, Paul or Abraham already knew that even the Gentiles will be heir of, of, of God through the faith. And this is unchangeable God's promise. That's why uh, God told through Paul to record it in the Bible. And here in verse 8, um, uh, the word foresaw for means that this is God's uh, predestination. God decided to do so. In Ephesians, God chose to make you holy and blameless. God decided. So God decided to make you an heir and, and, and a victor. So when God decides, no enemy can interfere that decision. The only thing that nullifies the promise is your unbelief. If you don't believe in his promise, no matter how powerfully he promised to you, you cannot receive that promise. God surely promised you to become holy and blameless. But if you don't believe in that, then that's, that's over. That's gone. That's meaningless. So only thing that can nullify, that can make his promise meaningless is your unbelief. Only thing that you have to do is to have faith in, in his promise. That's why we, we are saying that the human beings should only live by the identity. As an identity, we need to receive that promise. Let's continue. In verse 8, um, announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. So to Jews, to Jews, how much of a hate would they, would the Jews feel toward Paul? Because they they honored and they admired Abraham, who is the ancestor of faith, so much. But Paul is using, referring Abraham as an uh, ancestor of Gentiles. So, but but the promise that was given through Abraham is the gospel. It's a good news to Gentiles like us, but but to Jews, but to Jews it was uh, not a good news. So, um, so the Gentiles, uh, God will justify the Gentiles by faith. So once again. promises has been passed through the genealogy of faith through Abraham to us so that so that you are not just an offspring that came out of a, of a coincidence 
because of the faith that God made to flow over 4,000 years, you guys are the chosen being. So, book of Ephesians, we, we say that uh, predestination and decision is nearly in the same, same concept. So, in this flow, you are the chosen being. Especially, do not take yourself lightly. All this dignity and worthiness that God gave you did not, uh, was not created out of, out of a coincidence. For over all this flow of promise, God, um, God designed this, God planned this. So you guys are such a precious being. I'm not just, I'm, I'm not saying this in order to like flatter you or something. And as you understand who I am, I'm not a person who flatters others. But before, before the worthiness, before the dignity, before this dignified being, before God, I cannot help myself but to praise, praise this being and identity. And when you believe in this dignity and this worthiness, let's say if you believe in in this dignity as a prince then you will live like like a prince but if you consider yourself and treat yourself like a beggar then you will live like a beggar and even though you are a prince if you consider yourself as a beggar you will live like a beggar and you will go around begging if you do not live by faith and you're you're like begging around the world so if Babylon doesn't give you something then you are surrendering toward Babylon no you don't have to live like that verse 9 so those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham the man of faith so that's why we we have seen Genesis and Romans so by the seed uh, his descendants descendants were uh, as numerous as the stars in the skies and his offsprings his de descendants will conquer the cities of the enemies and our our victory our victory was confirmed even 4000 years ago so do not doubt in that victory that's an ultimate victory that we have even in your life there there might be moments of stumbling and and suffering but that's not a big of a deal you will you will you will eventually win you will eventually be victorious they are the ones whose judgment has been decided they are the ones who are still remaining in the world because God wanted us to to experience this joy of victory so do not acknowledge the victory of the enemy for a moment and even do not acknowledge that the enemies are strong only the power of Jesus Christ is, is the strong thing do not acknowledge that they are great beings no matter how powerfully these enemies are oppressing you do not acknowledge them so do not fear them nothing in the world um, do not acknowledge the worth in the world the worthiness that you have in you cannot be compared to anything in, in this world this should be the image of people of faith so we are not the ones who are afraid of failure amen 
Are you afraid of failure? No. Why? Why? Because he has the ultimate responsibility over us. God is always eternally responsible over his church. That's why he is the creator. So, so when you live by faith, it's like being bold every day. God will be responsible for me. God will take care of me. Amen. Hallelujah. This must be, be touching your heart. This promise, this promise must be activated in you. Do not be afraid. Never be afraid. Amen. As you guys um, travel around the world with me, have you ever seen me becoming afraid of anything? No, never. There's nothing that is worse of being afraid around the world. Amen. Let's continue. Verse 10. For all who rely on the words of the law are under a curse. And Paul is referring to Deuteronomy 26. This is something that Moses was speaking before the Israelites. Deuteronomy 27-26. So because they have received the law, curses everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. So Moses is putting a curse over the Israelites, right? So Israelites are now are put under the law. They, they must follow all the rules of the law in order to fulfill the righteousness. In, um, so, so we can say that because they are under the old self, they are under the law. And because the law is keep moving in them, because the law is keep seeking the righteousness through the action, you have to continue to work. That's why this slavery instinct is keeping strengthening in you. In book of Romans 11, David is cursing the enemies. Lord, um, let them work until their backbone is, is um, uh, curved. He did not pray like, Lord, destroy them, but instead, Lord, uh, let them work until they die. David understands what a true curse is. Romans 8.12 says, We are not the ones who are dead to the flesh. We don't have any burden to the flesh. We only live by glory. We don't live by a by by our strength we live by the glory brother Gyeongchang why do you earn money why do you why do you go work you need to earn money because your your daughters are eating much right right is it true but why are you putting so many burdens on your shoulders but we need to trust him, right? We need to believe in him. He said he's he's earning money because of for the glory, for the glory. Why are you running a business? Why are you doing the bakery for the glory? But why are you carrying all the burdens on your shoulder? <laughs> she said she just laid down the burden right now. But you are not dead to the flesh. You don't have to carry the burden. So accurately speaking, carrying the burden is an unbelief toward God. 
So if you are trying to do something out of your own effort, it means that you are hindering God from working. As I said, um, as I said numbers of times to the pastors, you don't, you you should not be burdened to your pastor ministry. God will take care of His church. If you let go of all the, those burdens, your spirit will be light. But, but as you carry all those burdens, as you put your reason of your life on your, uh, your work, then you will become heavier and heavier and you will become a religious person. It applies to everyone else too, but especially where does this growth of faith comes to the pastors? Between the relationship, re relationship with God in prayer and in worship. But as you carry more burden, it becomes more religious and religious. So, so first, you need to believe in His promise. Believe in His promise and say, I don't have to be responsible of anything. God will take care of all His promises. That's why He is calling us God's church. That's why He is calling us God's children. It means that He is responsible for us. You should have faith in this. And if your spirit is not light, you should be able to stop right away. Oh, I am carrying a burden. I'm burdened. I'm being bound. I'm being bound by the law. And then you should let go of the burden. And then you should be light again. Amen. So, so before Mount Ebal, Moses was putting a curse to Israelites. Verse 11, clearly no one who relies on the law is justified before God. So this is the law of God that no one can, justi no one can be justified by the law. So when God gave us the law, it's not to make us a perfect being, but because it was inevitable for him to just give that law to Israelites. Because he had to slow down the speed of sin. And it was given to them temporarily. So later, Paul describes that as a, a um, primary teacher, elementary teacher. So law is not in the mainstream of God. When God, oh, God, if God did not uh, took that action, the Israelites' wickedness was too quick that that he he could not slow them down. But law can never um, fulfill the righteousness. So as I said earlier, if you keep live by your own action and your own work, it means that you are keep destroying your walls of your life. So what's the evidence that you're living by the righteousness? It's that your scale of your faith is keep expanding regardless of your situation. Even if you are aging and if you are growing old, you are still experiencing your passion growing in you. This is the evidence of a people who are living by God's righteousness. If not, you are keep growing weak, becoming weak, becoming weaker and weaker, and becoming smaller and smaller. This is the evidence of the law. 
your skill must expand always. I'm not saying have a have a um, no, never mind. It means that God is always with that person. It means that God is walking with him. That's where God's skill comes from. Amen. So, verse 11, the righteous shall live by faith. This is a prophecy from the book of Habakkuk. Habakkuk prophesied about the righteous beings. In Old Testament, there's no word, there's no word faith. Of course, because of the of the translation uh, matter, they use the term faith, but this is not the same faith that is used in, in the New Testament. Faith appears in the New Testament. This is something that has made by Jesus Christ. But Habakkuk received the flow of the New, New Testament. He, he, he prophesied. And, and from Habakkuk, Book of Romans says the righteous shall live by faith. And in Galatians, our focus is up on the faith. And I'll talk about faith later. But first, you need to understand the faith is a gift. This is one of the most important gifts under God's grace. Such an important story. You should not let go of your your um, understanding that, that faith is a gift. Those who believe that faith is a gift, they are not lazy in emptying themselves. Letting, letting go of your own life, own method, own experience. So when only when you are being emptied, you can receive the faith by gift. So maintaining the righteousness uh, is about the same as maintaining the faith. So we need to maintain the righteousness in order to be be qualified and be be um, justified by the blood that we we have no sin. So the first gift that we receive by the faith is. Uh, by the righteousness is the faith. So in faith, everything is possible. Healing, raising the dead to the life, earning money, worshiping, praying. Everything is possible under faith. Even your breathing. Even your breathing must be done by faith. So as you enter into deeper relationship with the Lord, the most um, repentant subject is the things that you have done without faith. When we see see others, we need to see see them through faith. When we say something, we have to speak out of faith. So with this faith, this wickedness is being filtered. And when you live in His presence, you should be able to live like that. We are not talking about this high-level stuff. When you live by Holy Spirit, it's a natural thing. So you can be able, you will be able to hear by faith, see see things through faith. Amen. Look at the persons who are sitting next to you through faith. How precious is that person? Why are you so thin? You lost so much weight doing the translation. So, is the person next to you um, worthy in your eyes of faith? 
Is a person precious? Look at one another in the eyes of faith. We need to do, do everything in faith. Hebrews 13, uh, Hebrews 10:38, the righteous shall live by faith. Uh, this is emphasizing the new new self. So when you receive by faith, you need to live by the new self. So when these three things are being confirmed, you are being called as the saved. By faith, you live a life uh, of the righteous being. So the prophecy of Habakkuk is uh, um, being manifested in all different books of the New Testament. First, faith is a gift. Do not forget about this. In Thessalonians, it talks about the faith too, but we will describe this more in details during Chuseok Conference. So by faith, we receive this identity of the righteous. Talked about Romans. What is righteousness? It's the status or the qualification and or the acknowledgement that there is no sin. Why? Because all the blood of Jesus Christ is indwelling in us. So if you receive that, if you receive that, you will just naturally live by the righteousness. So you should not just emphasize the life, then it will be your ethic. You should not just emphasize the faith, then you will be like super spiritual guru. And also, you should not just emphasize the righteousness itself. If you just emphasize the righteousness itself, you will be, be divided, you will be separated from other things. So these three, these three must meet in one. By faith, the righteous will live. Amen. In Beatitudes, we need to be first, be hunger in righteousness. But if you only concentrate on that righteousness, you will you will get hurt. You will and you will make others hurt too. So first, so first, the righteousness must meet the, the friend mercy. Those who are mercy are uh, blessed. Are those who are mercy? They will receive mercy. So, so the righteousness meet his friend mercy. So righteousness must be received through through faith. If you are receiving, if you are receiving the righteousness in your own standard, you will hurt yourself, and and you will misunderstand and thinking, well, I'm I'm good. I'm a good man. No. Only few things that are left. So let's continue. Verse 13. Christ redeemed us for, from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hung on a pole. So Paul is quoting Deuteronomy 21 23. And Moses put a curse to Israelites. If you do not obey to all the laws, you will be cursed. But 
this verse, this verse was said by Joshua who entered into Cana. They they went they went to Shechem. In Shechem there is uh, Mount Ebal and Mount Grizim, and just like Moses, Joshua split Israelites into two groups, one standing before Mount Ebal and one before Mount Grizim. The difference between Joshua and Moses is that what did Joshua do? What did he do? Joshua also proclaimed, declared the law. And he also said, You will be cursed if you do not obey to these commandments. And Israelites, they were reacting by Amen. And Joshua built an altar in Mount Ebal. And he, lift a, he lifted a sin sacrifice and, and thanksgiving sacrifice in that altar. What does that mean? Joshua, Joshua was a leader who was able to enter into the land of Canaan. He was symbolizing Jesus. Moses symbolized the law. So, so Joshua did not build an altar under Mount Grizim. The reason why he built an altar under Mount Evel, it means that he is declaring that all the curse of the law has been finished. And truly, truly, I went to Mount Evel. I saw, I, I sensed all the curse being 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 cut off. So it would be logical for him to build an altar under Mount Grizim, which symbolized the blessing. But instead, he built an altar under Mount Evel, which means that all the curses are finished. Jesus Christ has finished all the curse of your action on the cross. What does it mean? It means that the more a human being takes his own action, it does not build a benefit to him, but instead it builds a curse to him. For example, without Jesus, if you are making money, the more money that you, you make, it will bring curse to you more and more, whether you know it or not. So the more you store out of your own effort and your strength, the more wickedness you will bring into your life. So the world is all about the wickedness because they are so self-centered. They are so selfish. They are, they are all focused about their own benefit. They cannot help, help themselves but to store their wickedness. But those who believe that their curse is finished um, on the cross, they will not be bound under the action. So it's not a matter of our action or effort, it's under the principle of grace. So we continuously need God's righteousness. Finally, uh, verse 14, He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus. So this is, these are all the description of the promise of victory that was given, given to Abraham. In order 
that the blessing may be given and may come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus. So, so in fact, all the promises that was given to Abraham were confirmed through Jesus. And what did Jesus uh, recover through 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 the cross? The blessing from Genesis 1:28. In Deuteronomy, it describes the coming event of Jesus Christ as blessing. Um, he will bless you, bless you, and he will surely bless you. This is the restoration of uh, Deuteronomy 1:28. Uh, let's go to Deuteronomy. Let's look together. We have, we have much time. Um, Hebrews chapter six. Hebrews chapter six. Let's look briefly. Oh, never mind. I will cover this later. Uh, this needs lots of descriptions. Okay, let's come back to Galatians. Let's continue in next Chuseok conference. So I have to cover many things. I will continue in Chuseok conference. So in Galatians, let's return to Galatians. So through Jesus Christ, the promise of an heir has been confirmed. Moreover, moreover, to whom did it confirm? Um, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. So, so when we receive all those promises as a blessing, God will tell us, this is the blessing that is given to you. You are the heir. You are a complete victor. Holy Spirit will confirm this every day. Romans 8, 8 16 says that Holy Spirit always confirms to me that I am a child of God. So he is the one who confirms to us that I am an heir. He is the one who confirms us who we are. As you guys are well aware of, even though you are so sinful, even though you are so sinful, Holy Spirit will continue to tell you who you are. He will always confirm who you are in you. Hebrews 10.25 said, Jesus will bring us to before him. He's our interceder. And also Holy Spirit, he, will, he'll, he also will become our defender. He will also become our counselor that he will confirm our victory. Remember this. So as you continue to live by the Holy Spirit and as you continue to stay in Jesus Christ, you should always have the confirmation of your identity. Amen. So, so because you are living with these two amazing beings living in you, your life must end in 